8, Luke 2, verse 8. We'll pray for the Spirit's guidance. Our Lord and our God, as we open these familiar verses, I just pray that you reveal more of yourself to us, that you mature us more as we study them. In Jesus' name, amen. Luke 2, starting in verse 8. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find the baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those whom he is pleased. Maybe seated. Again, very familiar verses. I never grow tired of them, and I hope you don't either. Because there's so much depth of truth found in these few verses. You do exhaustive studies on them. But this is a real event. An historical event. You know, we're given a timeline when this occurred. This is confirmed not only in the scripture, but from outside sources. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augusta that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. You know, real time marked by real history, real events, real people. Again, all confirmed. But when we study truth, there will be evidence for the truth. There will be recordings of the truth. For God's elect, we've been elected to understand and believe these truths. And these truths are given for our sake to affirm our faith, to give us a confidence of what we have been taught and learned. But again, God has opened our eyes to understand these truths. The non believers do not have that gift, they do not have that gift of wisdom. to understand that it is God in control. It is God who gives us this gift, and we should appreciate it. We should always appreciate history because history, again, is a tool to be used for teaching. That's why Jesus said, it is written, remember the days of old, 
He's telling people, look back to the truth. When his people went away from him, apostate, it was always go back. Read what's written. Read what's true. You know, the last time we for sale preached was on the Lord's birth. The humble beginning for the life of God who came down to become man. Laid in a manger, feeding trough, most likely made of stone, just like most of the stuff over there is. A lot of stone. Surrounded by his parents, perhaps animals. The beasts that would normally be feeding in that trough. The humble estate of his birth was exactly what God the Father had planned for. And Jesus always did the will of his Father. His birth was no exception. Just think about that. The greatest event in human history. God's Son. And he's laid in the feeding trough. What a blessing. How fitting. As we here today are being fed from that babe who was in that trough, it is birth. And all throughout history, people have been fed by the events of his birth, and they will be in the future. The salvation of mankind. But you know, that could not be kept humble. Humble. For long. It could not be hidden for long. God gave a royal announcement, an announcement sent by his own messengers. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flocks by night. Here we have the outcasts of society shepherds, men living on the very outskirts of society, away from towns. Most likely it wasn't even their own sheep they were watching. They were just hirelings watching other people's sheep. Many of these men were considered unclean because it was the lowest profession around animal waste, taking care of animals, being polluted by animal blood, not being able to go to the temple or the synagogues, because they're so far away. Huge flocks of sheep. Humble men living outside, crude huts, perhaps caves at times. Most likely an unappealing aroma among them. However, they were the ones that God selected to first hear the greatest announcement as it appeared, as it happened. No greater announcement made in human history the humblest of men. Think about it. These guys are watching over their flocks. And we know that wolves would come in at times, or thieves. 
David said he killed a wolf and a bear attacking the flocks. He was a shepherd. So they take shifts that night watching. And only words they would hear to wake the one sleeping up would be the sheep are under attack. But this night it was different. It was a majestic interruption. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. They were filled with great fear. No warning. Night disappears. The glory of God erases the darkness. And among these shepherds, either hovering in the air or standing by them, Amongst this dazzling light, an angel appears. The shepherds react as all men react when they see these divine messengers. They are terrified. Before every knee, we'll bow before God. Because when we recognize His glory and His perfection and His beauty, We recognize our own sin. And we recognize the fear that we have in front of a holy God. However, this was a message of love and the angel didn't want them to be shaking in their sandals all night. The angel said to them, fear not. Fear not. They need that assurance, I think, just to calm them down. Just think, fear not, you've been chosen, selected by God to celebrate the greatest event in human history. The announcement. You're the first people to hear the announcement of God's greatest gift to mankind. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. I'm saying, I have a message for you guys. You're going to spread it to all people. You who the people think are the most unworthy of people are privileged to hear this announcement first. For unto you is born in this, in this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Long-awaited Messiah in Bethlehem, the city of David. The city they were close to. They would go to praise God. They would see the babe. Think of that, how they must have felt. These lowlifes of society hearing the greatest message. God chose them. Just like he chose you and I and each believer, God elected and chose to give the greatest message of salvation. God loved his people and he chooses whom he will please in spite of our earthly circumstances, 
our sinfulness. No one could tell God, what have you done? He does what he pleases. And this will be a sign for you. You will find the baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. God says, here's a proof. Go see the baby yourself. This child, this king is in the lowest conditions, which you will completely understand. He's coming humbly into your world. Now think about that. These guys already had quite a frightful experience in their life when the angel appeared. Followed by the most glorious news. However, it doesn't end there. It gets better. God isn't through with them. And suddenly... There was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, you know, what's a multitude? You know, I'm not sure. But I'm sure it's a lot. Perhaps an army. But can you imagine that? Now there isn't just one angel, there's a multitude of angels praising God. It must have been deafening. I'm sure these shepherds probably had a new level of fear come upon them. However, the message that they're given is the greatest message to mankind. You know, we don't know if these shepherds even knew about the Messiah. We don't know if they were faithful Jews, but they were selected by God. What was the message they heard? Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. You know, saints, it doesn't get any better than this. This is the greatest revelation of the glory of God to mankind. But what did this birth bring to us? It brings peace to God's elect. And it's a peace that will have no end. You know, Isaiah tells us of this. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. A peace that will last forever. A peace for God's elect. This is the heart of Christianity. All of us were enemies of God. We are at war with God. And when he chose us in that humble estate, that sinful estate, just like he chose these shepherds, we now have peace with God. 
Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Who is he pleased with? He's pleased with his elect. Do you understand that peace that he gives us? From his glory, from his mercy, his good pleasure. You know, that's why we're here worshiping him. Because of that peace with God. You know, that's the primary thing that for believers is peace from God. Because all other, all other peace in our life hinges off of this. That we have peace with God. In Romans 5, 5, it tells us, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Again, we go from a sinful state, enemies of God, to peace with God. You know, we may not have even realized in our life that our commander-in-chief before our salvation was Satan. Even if we weren't real bad, we were still in his camp, he was still our leader, However, that all changed. The change when our faith was placed in Him. But that faith was given to us by Him. And glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom He is pleased. He's pleased with His elect. We have that peace. That peace is a, opens the door for our faith to reside in our hearts. Through him, we have also obtained the access of that faith. That peace treaty we have with God. One of the agreements under it is the faith. That leads us into a gateway of a life of understanding truth. Understanding grace, the unmerited favor God gave to us, his elect. Which results in us coming here and praising him. It all starts with his grace, his love, and also his control. He's always been in control. He never will not be in control. He came to be born among us to suffer for the elect that brought us peace. But when we have peace to God, it leads to a peace that we have within ourselves. A certain peace that non-believers will never have. In Romans 13, 12. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. 
That's another gift God brings us. We have peace with Him, and He gives us peace with ourselves. The assurance that we know we're forgiven, that our relationship with God is sealed and secure for all eternity. You see, His peace is unconditional. When we have that peace with God, it's forever. That contract is signed and sealed. It'll never be broken. The war is over with him. That truce will last for all eternity. And that peace brings us hope. The hope of heaven. A rejoicing that no matter what happens in the world, we have peace with God and we will be with him. It's a supernatural peace. It's a peace that is impossible for us to find or produce from within ourselves. In Philippians 4.4 4 tells us, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be, be, be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. It's a divine peace that comes within us. But also in these verses we see we will come under assault. There will be difficulties, there will be trials. In 1 Peter 5.8, it tells us, Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brothers throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Being a people of faith, God never tells us it's a cakewalk. There will be suffering, there will be trials. We've all gone through them. But it is God who strengthens us and reaffirms us, confirms us, and he establishes us. He gives us that comfort. Because he has dominion forever and ever. Dominion over our lives. Because we are at peace with God. Our war now is against Satan and his minions. A powerful enemy. But where does our strength come from? It doesn't come from ourselves. It says, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. It is God who will restore, confirm, and strengthen and establish you. It's saying God will keep you. You're one of His. 
He's on your side. He's fighting for you. Again, this side, this battle on this side of eternity, it's not going to be easy. There will be casualties. However, God never separates himself from us. He's never out of control. And even in those difficulties, we have that supernatural peace. 1 Peter 5, 6. Humble yourselves, therefore under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him, because he cares for you. He cares for you. He brings you peace. He brings us peace. Now this is a conditional peace for us. It's out there. God's handing it to us. But that's where our faith has to come in, where we have the faith to believe that we have that peace with God, that strength with God, that God is always with us, even in the difficulties. Yeah, that peace depends on the depth and the maturity of our faith. And as we get older in life, we realize how little we control anything in life. And we can't control these bodies from wearing out. Gives us a sober minding of how limited we are in controlling anything. But that's where we rely on God for the peace that comes from Him and the comfort that knowing He is in control. And we have peace with ourselves. We have peace with God, which is unconditional. His peace is no conditions. Once he has chosen us, that peace is permanent. But also we have another peace. And this peace we can't control ourselves, but we have peace with our neighbors. We have peace with our neighbors. We can live peaceably with our neighbors, if at all possible. Tells us, I think Paul tells us that. And that's a difficult peace at times. It's a peace where we want peace with people that we love and care about. But many times, many times they don't want peace with us. It tells us in Romans twelve seventeen, repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all, if possible. So far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Peace with all, even our enemies. For me, that's the hardest one to swallow, the hardest one to do. 
were commanded to And I think that's where maturity comes in. Where our anger toward those who don't believe turns more into pity because they lack that peace that comes from God. And if they don't have that peace that comes from God, many times they don't have peace among themselves and they will not have peace with God's people. But don't worry, the evil will have their day before God. It says, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. They're not going to get away, they're not going to skate away from all their evil deeds. But we're still commanded to try and live peaceably with others. We should be people of peace. But it's peace and truth, we have to stand for the truth. Living peaceably with people does not mean compromising truth. It means sharing truth because that means you love them. The truth of God. We have the ability to do that. That's why maturity is when that that peace that surpasses all understanding has to kick in in our own lives. And we rely on God and grab onto that hope tells us in Ephesians 4, starting in verse 31, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Again, our anger at the wicked should always be with a heavy heart, a heavy heart of being concerned for their souls, what they lack. And I'm telling you, I'm not there yet. Still working on it. But if we focus on the greatest prize of all, that our Savior came to live among us to give us peace, His peace, an unconditional peace, a forgiveness of sin, We should mature in the peace that we show to others. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find the baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in the manger And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. My prayer is that God will be pleased with all of us. Let us pray. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for sending your Son Thank you for having us be at peace with God because he had elected us. And I pray that that brings us peace with ourselves. And that outflow of peace with ourselves brings peace with our neighbors, 
our friends, and even our enemies. And that in all circumstances we try to share fragments, fragments of your love, Lord. The aroma of life to those who are lost. Matures to that point in Jesus' name.